welcome to Darker Days Radio Presents Dark Hammer A Worlds of Warhammer Podcast. I'm one of the regular hosts, Chris, and I'm joined by David. Hello. Good afternoon or evening or morning if you're listening in the morning. Yeah. I always get weird uh, when saying times on these things. I always forget. Yeah, it's been a while since we've recorded one of these because Christmas mm. and busy and everything else has been busy and everyone's some sort of work on something and busy, busy and busy because um, I've got like a writing contract right now on something. Uh, so yeah, we're going to talk about uh, Necrons today in Wrath and Glory because they don't have any rules in Wrath and Glory. So what you're going to get is an overview of Necrons and then also uh, some homebrew stats for necrons which i think i think it's pretty much on spot on you know we'll provide them on the blog um and you can you know tweak them to fit what you think might be more appropriate uh it's only for a necron warrior so you know you'll have to uh do any you have to do more homebrewing to have like necron destroyers or immortals or 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 some some other thing like that uh so that's the main topic Um, but before we get into that, uh, we should talk about some gaming news, I guess, and what we've been up to. Right, um, so, uh, gaming news. So, for the virtual tabletop Forge, so, uh, sorry, not Forge, Foundry, uh, Foundry, Foundry Virtual Tabletop. There is now a uh, a 40k Wrath and Glory uh, module for it from uh, from Cubicle Seven. So um, if you are into using that type of um, type of thing for your games, um, the it basically is a digitized version of the full Wrath and Glory rulebook. Which yeah, I guess you know that's pretty good. That's the way things are going. Um, it you know you'll you'll need to have a license for the Foundry Virtual Tabletop uh, software, uh, but in conjunction with that, then um, you know that could be quite useful. I think yeah, it'd be good to try and explore it at some point. Um, but you know, if you like using that type of thing, um, then good for you. Uh, I mean, it's entirely up to people on how they do their own online gaming, uh, whether they have a requirement for that. I can't see anything in the example of of utilization of maps um, for for games, but I mean, again, that's that's uh, that's really depends upon how you're running your whether you need maps. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's available. Uh, then Church of Steel is coming soon. Um, we've seen the cover for that uh, last week. And uh, basically, it's a guide to vehicles in Wrath and Glory because that's one thing people complained about with the revised version was where are the rules for vehicles? And it's like to do them justice, there wasn't space in a in the revised core book, so there'll be you know vehicles um, supported through this expansion. So I'll likely cover you know tanks, trucks, you know, all the basics, forks, all the standards, and then undoubtedly we'll also cover um, you know void going vessels uh so you can have your kind of rogue traders and battlefleet gothic level um interactions Ooh, well, that'll be... so that will be fun uh soulbound has got champions of destruction coming up soon so that's how to play as trolls uh, basically orcs trolls grots git uh ogres um... i'm hoping they, they put an image of a 
of a gargan on the on the cover. So I'm hoping you can actually play a gargan in that because that would be hilarious. Quite potential, uh, quite quite possible. Um, mm. So that'll be again really interesting for uh, antagonists and so forth as well. Um, but that's good. I mean, they're really filling things out. I mean, that all there is really after that is champions of of um, of chaos, and then yeah. you've got the, all four of the big groups covered. Um, so that's really the role play side. I think no, there isn't. There's Warhammer Fantasy role play has had out recently Blood and Bramble, which is basically hedge witch spells and more details on hedge wizardry or witchery and hirelings of the old world, which is a book of NPCs utilized in more role play games. So that's good stuff. More you know extra content now that uh, now that Enemy Within as a campaign is a complete package of uh, five. Well, ten books really, if you include the companions. At some point, I will buy like all of them. Uh, I've got I, the companion I, for Enemy Within, but not for any of the others. Yeah, I really need to just like grab yeah. like the lot because uh, I do want to run it at some point. I mostly do it when I can actually start like running stuff in person with regular group again, yeah. uh, holding off certain purchases based on time, effort, etc. Right, then on the toy soldier side of things, we've got from uh, we've got Aeronautica Imperialis's has rules for Necrons in it, and of course, you can pre order uh, that along with the Forge World Necron uh, fighter aircraft for that. So that's another faction because we've had Eldar, well, Craft World Eldari. Um, added along with the Adeptus Astartes. Uh, and the miniatures are really cool for those two factions. And I recently got a the Thunderhawk gunship, which given they're the same scale as Adeptus Titanicus, a Thunderhawk is fucking huge. Like it's yeah. as big as a Reaver Titan. They are quite which is large. insane. Absolutely. Which massive. makes me question the scaling in in the Forge World 40k one because that's not that large compared It's mostly to the right size though. It's mostly yeah. the right size. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's that's cool. That'll have some more stuff, scenarios in it, and so forth, uh, and campaign play, which I think is important. Uh, Aeronautica's a really cool system. I really like it. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, also for Aeronautica coming out is uh, the Vampire um, class um, aircraft for the Eldari. So again, on the same kind of scale as the uh, Thunderhawk gunship. So There'll be the Vampire Hunter and the Vampire something or other. So one of them is a troop transport and the other one is a, you know, bomber aircraft, which is cool. Um, speaking of Eldari, there's finally some new stuff for 40k coming up, which looks mm -hmm. fucking fantastic. So we've got new Craftworld Eldari... Uh, we've got new Craftworld Eldari... Guardians. So you've got Storm Guardians included in that set. And from the looks of it, given that they're on 32mm bases, they look like they're tall. Like they look like they're the same mm. height as a Primaris Marine, yet or almost the same height as a Primaris, yet obviously skinny, which is where we because when you look compare those to the old Craftworld Eldar Guardians, they were a bit they're more dynamic. They've, they've they've come up with they're, they're doing that whole dynamic pose thing. Uh, yeah, art, dynamic poses. So they look a lot more like they should do. I would say rather than the yeah. I mean, stood around. I mean, this is always the cost of um of going from what was originally multi part posable mm. to now what we have is multi part um 
multi-part but like pose. monopose yeah. because while it is monopose there's a certain interchangeability of parts yeah. and that means you can get the poses you want but without the you know you have to consider that games workshop realizes that some of the people getting into the hobby if they were given the classic star guardians would have stuff that ended up looking like complete trash you know you're trying to get one arm to line up with another arm etc etc and, and mold really... shrink and things and never works does it they look kind of they can kind of end up kind of kind of stupid unless you know what you're doing so that's cool because that's then means we got the basis really for them redoing all of the aspect warriors because if you've got a good guardian base model oh. From which to draw from you can in their digital yeah in their digital library they can now design everything else so we're getting well, if you look at the um the rumor engine there is very very clear evidence that dark reapers are coming back um there are yeah of the dark reaper weapon well i think that engine. i think that was a tease of the autark miniature because that has no the no there were actual shots of of the reaper um cannon yeah that the autark can carry really yeah, the the new multi-part autot miniature that comes out has a whole weapon selection, so it can have like. I know it's got a couple like of different a, weapons, but yeah, one of them is the Reaper Cannon. Well, that's boring. I want more. So, just those are old. Yeah, well, I, I imagine if they've got the design already for the the new mm. looking cannon, then I'm sure Dark Reapers are on the horizon. Um, but the Autark is apparently interchangeable parts with the old Autark plastic that has wings. So you've got. Yep. You can mix and match the weapons between the two and the heads and stuff. So that's really clever, I think. And it's making me want to get a small Eldari force. Um, but the <laughs> well, thing is, the, could... the Avatar of Kane is being re-released. Yeah, that has actually been confirmed by GW, and we have seen shots of the hand. And a new and and the thing is, it'd be good to do a new Eldari because actually, I would I would because they've also said there's going to be new. I think they've said there's going to be new Corsairs. Possibly. I think we're going to get plastic corsairs, which is that would be more amazing. exciting. Yeah, and of course we've had new rangers on uh, in that new box coming up. New rangers and, and new jet bikes. Rangers on jet bikes. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I never so, yeah. really understood why they didn't have in, in the first place because it's just like yeah. the perfect role for rangers. It's um, it's going to be cool. I think Eldari is going to be the hot stuff for a while because um you know no, you know, no Eld- cow is going to be the hot stuff for a while if you've seen the oh uh, yeah the new stupid cannons um yeah. i i don't know 40k well enough to really um gauge that but i mean the scale of 40k games i'm going to play which is like you know combat people. patrols yeah. 25 power com- <laughs> combat patrols i'm never going to see weapons like that in there anyway i, right. I just want to play it like it's second ed 40k with with nonsense that's the that's the thing that's kind of annoyed me is i can't do a rogue trader combat patrol because voidsmen you can work something out voidsmen are elite units and the weird thing with voidsmen in the critical mass book is they have a better armor save than the voidsmen in the elucidan star striders so they're basically pretty much the same stats but they actually have a four plus armor save so they, they're wearing mm. carapace. So there's something weird there. I think they need to do um, a rules because they're basically the same points cost as um, as the Star Strider. But they're elites, whereas the, the Voidsman in the Star Striders book, you can only take that unit once because it's a named unit. And yeah, I, I, I'm basically a bit confused. So my options are I run a Blood Raven force with a Rogue Trader 
HQ in there for shits and giggles. Do it as a guard. Uh, Do it as um, Imperial Imperium. Yeah, I was thinking that. Um, I could get a kit bash. Well, I'm. What I want to do is I want to wait for the new guard book to come out and then run because mm-hmm. um, also some of the, the releases coming up for Imperium magazine, which we'll say in a moment. Um, the next units of troops are getting are um, Mechanicus. Um, what you call them? Rangers. The the base ones. Yeah, I don't know. I've got lots of them, but they're all Mechanicus. Into other you know, things. the basic ones with either the hoods or they've got the the helmets. Yeah. So. Those are the next units coming in in Imperium magazine. So I'm effectively looking at a soup army of Marines, some Mechanicus, and as you say, like the moment there's a new guard army book. Get... Well, hopefully, hopefully, when the new Ard army guard army book comes out, we'll get um, more Krieg, more plastic Krieg come out as well. So yeah, that'll be good. But so of course, one we're going to run is my my guardsman. I'm just going to use uh, the twenty Vansar that I have because. I want basically guard that look like they've been kitted out by a rogue trader that has a sneaky STC um, because that's cool because yeah. rogue traders are cool. Let's just be honest. Rogue traders are cool. Um, so yeah, Imperial Magazine is finally releasing to more regions. It's basically been like UK only for a while and now it's going to like the US and a few other places so check on the website see what its availability is I will just now Imperium Imperium magazine uh, let's uh, website for Imperium magazine there we go um, so it is going to be UK and US but I think there's going to be a few more regions than that so I think they said something on Warhammer Committee about it um it's really good. I've really enjoyed the stuff that, that that's come out in the first few issues because you know you end up with, uh, you know you you end up with a small smattering of space marines. There's gonna, as I said, there's gonna be some adeptus mechanicus in there. As the series goes on, you'll also get some uh, sisters of battle. So that's fun. So they basically give you soup, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you get and quite you get a lot few... in it as well, and you get it for cheap. Yeah, I mean, the prices of what you're basically paying for, you're getting everything at, at uh, a 50% discount, generally. Mm. It's about that, um, which is pretty good. And then, obviously, the, the other forces, the Necrons, which have been turning up, um, and I think I've got a paint scheme for them now, that I'm going to do Necrons, which is spray a silver and then hit them with a blue contrast paint, and yep. then... Uh, 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 the pauldrons and ribcage, I'm going to do a dark blue and almost black with blue edge highlighting. And then all the eyes and anything glowy is going to be, you know, synthwave purple. Because who Done. doesn't love synthwave purple? And that will just be more interesting than like the the standard paint scheme, which yeah. is browny, you know, coppery color with green, which is okay, but... They scream for synthwave necrons. They scream for that kind of neon... Yeah, um, but yeah, it's cool. And obviously, the other thing you can do with Imperial Magazine is you can pay a little bit extra, and then you get sent like um, you get sent like extra like combat patrols, almost not quite combat patrols, but you get sent some starter forces for different things. So you get like a bunch of Chaos Space Marines, a bunch of Tyranids, a bunch of Tau, or a bunch of Orcs. And speaking of Orcs, you can now get the new Orc boys. As a unit separately, yeah, and you can, and... Apply, you can get all the uh, squeak 
squig riders and things as well now. As well. Yeah, so I want to get those and the beast snagger boys as two mm -hmm. units of orcs because then I've got literally uh, gawkers and morkers for um for gawker morker. You know, oh, I think gawkers would be the beast snaggers and the morkers would be the regular ones because morkers are sneaky and gawkers are you know uh, 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 brutal and the other ones are cunning. So yeah. Um, and then the other release, which is really important, which is, you know, all the naysayers, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Cursity is back. So yeah. it's clear, you know, it's what we've... There's no, nothing ever, no, GW never officially says anything about this. But the fact it's coming back clearly states, clearly, clearly means it wasn't a splash release. It wasn't just some one-off thing. They know it's wanted because everyone likes Warhammer Quest. It's a great box because it gives you a starter force of undead. Um, it gives you wonderful yeah. characters using your Cities of Sigmar, Forces of Order armies. It's freaking fantastic for Soulbound because obviously one of the Soulbound books coming up is um, Ulfenkarn. But the other important thing, the other thing is, it's just because it's um, you know it's a great intro to forty k uh, to sorry to Age of Sigmar as well. And the other yeah. thing is like the reason why it's, we've not seen it, it's production. I mean, look at the world, right? We still have a chip shortage going on, where which means secondhand cars are worth more now than they were a year ago, like. Which is crazy, um, you know. There's graphics paper cards shortages can... in America as well. It's all all shit. Oh yeah, going. paper shortages. Would yeah, like if you try and get some. Trust me, you try and get some something done on your house. You buy, you're buying wood, right? Mm. Good luck. It's gone up like four or five times in price. It's it's pretty insane. Um, and then we've got uh, our wonderful government doing stupid things, which yeah, yeah, and then you, yeah, yeah, you combine Brexit into the mix for Games Workshop, and you've just got a one, um, and of course, COVID restrictions and everything. It's just a, it's just a clusterfuck of of um, of everything. Yeah. So it's yeah, good that it's coming back. I, I was always hoping that it would come back, and I knew it was never meant to be a splash release. But it was just the, I think, what annoyed me with it was the way that GW handled it. Um, they just didn't give any information about. If they'd have just been open with it, I think a lot less people would have been pissed off. Yeah, I know. I think it's because they like to try and manage expectations mm. quite a lot, and sometimes that's better by not saying anything, and other times it's better by being quite honest about stuff. Anyway, so it's coming back, and it's coming back with expansions, Yay. even cooler. And it's going to come back with mostly some White Dwarf support. I'm sure White Dwarf has had articles shifted around because of this. Um, mm. So, yay. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. And I've started painting my Cursed City set finally, like a year <laughs> later, um, uh, as things calm down a little bit at my end. So I am pretty much going for the 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 studio paint job on the skeletons because i think that's the they actually look kind of good um yeah that's what i did with mine there's pretty much studio look the zombies are a little bit different screw the amount of detail they put in that yeah right um and then i'll see where i go with um some of the other bits like the characters for certain i think the characters i'm gonna do well, yeah not the characters the the good guys i'll do mm -hmm. last because each one is effect you can't batch paint them no they, they, the they need a little bit of care and attention because they're so so nice um, but that's basically all the gaming news of, I think, of significant interest that's Games Workshop related. Um, mm -hmm. I will say I've caught up on watching all of all of the all of the uh, animations on 
uh, Warhammer Plus. And Angels of Death was all right. It was fun, but it was all right. But I think some of the later episodes of Hammer and Bolter are really significant and really interesting. Um, there's one which is Cadia Stands and is really brutal and involves Tyranids. Um, <laughs> and it's just Cadia horrible. Doesn't stand. Um, I, I thought it was fantastic. There's another one which is called, um, what was it called? Kill Protocol. And it's about an Adeptus Mechanicus searching this war torn world uh, for Archaeotech. And that's that was also really good. And re- something in that in that happens, which is just so brutal. Um, I can't really explain it. Um, I don't want to spoil it. And the other one I really enjoyed was there's one which is about the Sisters of Battle um, and about their like their faith in saints and so forth. And I think I just think a really good viewing for Wrath and Glory players because they're they're very you could see those could be the germ of a larger story. And mm. because they're not just battlefields and you know tanks and legions of troops and stuff like we see 40k game, the the war game. I think it just gets you more into the setting and about the the nuances of yeah, I think what goes on. A lot of those kind of when we in the in the days when we got into it. Um, and we're working for Games Workshop, we had the comics and things where you, you'd you see those yeah. individual storylines of smaller people over this kind of large-scale stuff that is generally what we see. Um, so I'm, I was hoping... I've, I don't subscribe to Warhammer Plus. Um, I'm a cheapskate. Um, but I can imagine something like Hammer and Bolter is very, very good for that, whereas maybe Angels of Death is not, because that's obviously a much grander scale um, conflict. It is and isn't. It, it's still... Angel of Death... Death is still a good model for a Wrath and Glory <laughs> Space Marine game. Um, and it's actually it gives you a good basis of a mixed party almost, because there's certain other characters in there which are like um, the, the the captain and the crew of the of the Space Marine void ship, mm-hmm. you know, the, the battleship. Yeah. And they're, of course, they're just regular human. Um, <laughs> but the fun thing is like how much they, they afford each other respect in in their respective roles, because obviously the respect given by the this this captain to the marines, because obviously they are the the angels of death, they're the emperor's like you know mm. will made manifest. Yeah, in anything when it comes to like obliterating things in space and anything to do with that, therefore the captain all the respect that's required because it's like you know what the fuck you're doing. You're you're flying you're you're flying the ship. You're in charge. <laughs> Yeah, we're not, so, we're not going to mess with that side. We don't understand ships. Put us on the ground, and we'll do whatever we need. But space, so it's, it's really good. It's is really it's good in that respect. So I did mm. enjoy it. Still, um, it'll be good when we start getting the Age of Sigma animation coming up very soon. Um, yeah, I'll be intrigued to see how they how how they pan out and what they look like. And yeah, I've watched some, and I will watch a few more of the painting the the painting guides that they do in the video content. Those are also really good. I, you know, do you know what they're missing? They're missing a good narrative campaign of like Necromunda on there. That would be fun. Yeah, like, they need. To yeah, they play the game, but you want the story. That's just the players, just you know, nattering. Yeah. Yeah, they've they've they seem to have like the Taylor Four Gamers stuff doesn't seem to be as big as it used to be. Um, yeah. I'd love something like that where you've got the Taylor Four Gamers creating the campaign as they're going along and the stories of things. So they, they've released all the rules for these kind of things, but mm. they just don't seem to then do it in the White Dwarf and stuff. Oh, well. I think right now it's quite difficult as well, obviously with mm. restrictions. So yeah. 
there's an element of that in there. Anyway, I think we can go on to the main topic, can't we? Well, uh, what hobby been... have you been doing? Actually, let's talk about hobby before we hobby. finish. Let's talk about hobby. What have, we been, what have you been painting? What have you been doing? Um, Do you been um... writing thesis? Do you have been doing any hobbies? <laughs> yeah, my, I, I have no hobbies at the moment because I'm thesis writing. I've actually started doing some hobby today. I thought I'd actually get around to it. Um, I'm converting up some of the Age of Sigmar Chaos Knights into uh, Techno Barbarians nice. for my. Um, I'm probably going to run it as a Genius of the Cult army, um, but it's basically a Techno Barbarian army. Um, the um, the new Dark Oath from Red Harvest would be yep. really cool for that, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I've got. Um, I should no, buy some more of those just for that. Um, I did have the the ones from the first uh, box. The beasty ones from the first box. Untamed beasts, yeah. Untamed beasts, but I, I, for some reason, they gave those away. I don't know why. Oh well. Uh, yeah, as I said, hobby-wise, start on Curse City. I've got, like I said, a bunch of Necrons and to paint, which I'm going to do in a, I'd say, do them rather quickly. I think some Chaos Spawns because I had them, um, because they're good for Warcry and they're good for mm. Necromunda. You um, can put them in most things, can't you? So good for the fact that I've got. Um, like I say, once I put together the stuff from Red Harvest, my um, I really need to get the Slaves to Darkness army book. And I've got to get all the Age of Sigma army books I don't have um, once they're updated to the new edition because I then have a Slaves of the Darkness army. I've got it. Literally, it's just all the all the gang, all the mobs, all the um, all the cult, just... cultists from 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 Warcry. It's going to be yeah. the most eclectic little army ever. How good it is, I don't give a stuff. It'll um, look good on the table. <laughs> Be like, what's this do? Why is this unit doing able to do that? Why is that unit able to do this? Um, yeah. They'll be led by um, Watchcaller of the Dark Oath. You know the one the from witch, yeah, or the Hag Lady. Um, uh, what? What's she? No, no, not that one. No, the the Dark Oath from the Hunters from Underworld. You know, with a hand outstretched with the glowy. Yeah, because she's a she's a hero. So that's my commander. So it's very Dark Oath cults themed army with a chimera chucked in for good measure um because who doesn't like species i've also got spheranx on the way as well um so that'll just be another monster lots of weird monsters lots of cultists it's nonsense um it's a super army it's it's my it's my age of sigma super army that's what it is (laughs) um um and as i've I've painted a bunch of you know my blood ravens are all up to date painted um i've got another five of them to paint but it's a really dead easy scheme um, Blood Ravens are cool. I do like them. Um, You've also been building a, a, a corpse starch pit. Yeah, so I got the you know the silo um, for Necromunda. I got another one of those because I wanted like to be able to stack one on top of the other in my on my Necromunda table because that's like what like that ends up being five. That'll end up being like ten inches tall. Yeah. Oh, nice. So really high platform, or obviously side by side, just a big block of terrain mm. but also to add some variety to it when it's not when the top is not covered it's a corpse starch um it's a corpse starch series xv um ninja foodie blender um <laughs> so it's got um it's got human ninja human ninja blitz i think yeah so it's got I just basically put some green stuff in there so it had some way to embed the skulls from the placid skull um, sprue, so they're stuck in, and then you know, you can have, never sloshed, have too many skulls. Sloshed um, flesh terror red on it because that's a good bloody color. 
left it dry, and then I've got Vallejo water effects, and just put on the second layer of that, and that's going to take another 24 hours to dry, and then that will look quite wet. Gory. Um, it should shrink enough so that some of the skulls protrude up through the surface, so it gives the effect of what I want. I might try and put another like sheen of of a contrast paint on top of the the translucent layer because that would. Then I think that would that would remove the sheen um, from it unless you water the contrast paint down because they're quite. Uh, not it might be that, or I use a red ink. I've got red ink. I could use. I'd probably go for uh, an ink. Or it might be even a case of mix up a um, mix up a bit with the um, the water effect. Yep, that would be that would work. And layer it in, or brush it on, essentially. Or get some blood for the blood god. Yeah, I think I've got some of that somewhere, maybe. But yeah, that's that's fun. So once it's dry, then I can paint it up, and that's my. And I do want to get another one of those vats because I do like the height that they give to the game. Um, there's just something about like that. That's the one thing I've always looked at, and it's really pissed me off a little bit <laughs> is how incompatible the sector imperialist ter- terrain is with mm. the necromunda zone mortalis walls as in you get the same height and everything but they're not the right width so they don't fill up the spaces in the same right in the same way and it's just kind of like that's a little annoying um it's not as modular as it as it could have been yeah whereas like necromunda stuff with with Sector Mechanicus works, of course, incredibly well together. So uh, it's just one of those things, isn't it? Um, I do have like the old, you know, what's the the old Sector Imperialis, the old edition of Sector Imperialis stuff, which is thinner. Yeah. The um, Sanctum thing. Oh, right. The big doorway. Yeah. So because I chucked the rest of it because it was all just, it was secondhand and it was like compared to the Necromunda train, not as good so i kept that bit because i might try and somehow that work that into the necromunda train as like mm. a big like piece i don't know i'll figure it out yeah that's hobby that's hobby hobby yeah, <laughs> anyway we should we should probably talk about yeah we things. should rattle through this so the next Egyptian in space about necrons yeah Okay, shall I start and then then I'll hand over to the history bit to you. So what are Necrons, everyone's going to ask. So Necrons, they are immortal robots of living metal. They have no souls. They have had, by by biotransference eons ago, their minds put into uh, robotic bodies to basically turn them into living weapons and also to overcome their their uh, their organic forms limitation. Of course, there's beans with that. Yeah. Um, they're, they're ancient enemies of the old ones, um, though it was a weird, like... It's very hard to say who won or, or didn't in the War in yeah. Heavens. It was we'll, very we'll, much a, we'll, we'll cover that, that in detail. Uh, obviously, they want to rule the galaxy. Um, they want to do it in a way that they basically take all living matter so that they can resurrect themselves in organic form. Um, and stop a certain force that is on its way, possibly. Oh, yeah, they really don't like the Tyranids because of that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is cool. I kind of like the Necrons really hate the Tyranids. Like, like yep. because the other thing the Necrons really hate is chaos. Because um, 
chaos is is chaos. Um, it's disorder. It's it's psychic energy. It's this raw psychic potential that could do anything. Whereas the Necrons are essentially the abstract bleeding edge of arcane science. I think is the best way yeah. to describe them. So. Whereas, like, you would do teleportation and travel through space by going through portals that blip you the warp or whatever. The Necrons do all that by by basically doing space folding and and true like kind science. Of, they're basically Star Trek shit gone, you know, tuned up to the max. Whereas, obviously, everything else is, you know, wizardry and psychics. So, um, and then the Necrons have are ruled by the Tetrarch. Uh, uh, we're going to murder some names in this. Cesarek, <laughs> the Silent King. Zarek, the Silent King. And then there's two Pharaons. There's many dynasties, so they have an ancient Egyptian theme going on, which is cool. They're basically tomb kings in space. Yep. And essentially, since they they didn't exist as a as an army um, until essentially the tail end of second edition, where we yeah. got the first mm-hmm. Necron models. And then in third edition, they expanded a little bit. And then finally, we've got an army book and then plastic. And essentially, in the timeline, they're just waking up at the tail end of the 41st millennium. And they're, you know, all these ancient worlds where you've got the Adeptus Mechanicus going, oh, look at all this ancient tech. Wonderful. Oh, no, it's a tomb world where legions of undead, you know, robotic warriors are waking up. Um <laughs> And there's various toys in the Imperium's toolbox, which happen to be Necron in in nature. Uh, you know, phase don't phase weapons and and other things. Um, and yeah, the design of them hasn't actually changed too much. We saw some of what they were kind of like, I'd say, back with Second Ed, but actually mm. their design is all the way back with Chaos Robots uh, back in Rogue Trader, yeah. Space Crusade, and Epic. Um, yeah. They still had the big shoulder pads back then. Yeah, so that's that's in a nutshell what Necrons are. But David, what about their history? What makes them yeah. interesting? Yeah, so their history is kind of evolved over the various editions because they weren't one of the original ones. They didn't, as we say, they didn't really get a codex until fourth edition, and um, they've only started to become now more prominent. So the, the history is still kind of a growing thing. But what we do know and what we found out from various codexes and things is this. So 60 million years ago, the race um, that became the Necrons, the Necron tier, they lived on a small world that was actually horrendously irradiated by their local star. And so it kept their lives quite short. Um, but they did, um, they did manage to survive and they ended up with a dynasty system. Uh, they were ruled over by dynasties that would kind of design to rise quickly and fall um due to their short lifespans so the dynasties ended up with the short lifespans um and because of these short lifespans the necrons here built around the the concept of being of, of the dead um they were kind of worshippers of the dead and their largest buildings and things were venerating the dead and so as they kind of um evolved and progressed and learned science they decided that well our son's killing us so let's try and escape that and uh, move into the stars and so they did um, however, this didn't work. Um, they're in, they embedded in their genetics. The, the uh, cancers were so embedded within their genetics that going across the galaxy didn't help. 
However, though, uh, expansion through the galaxy united the warring dynasties into a common goal. So there's no more fighting there. It was more about trying to save the race of the Necrontier. But because of their short lifespans, uh, they went back to fighting each other. And you ended up with something known as the War of Secession. Um, so they'd, they'd spread across the galaxy, um, but then they started to fight for power within themselves. And during this time, Zarek came to power as, as the Silent King. Um, the position of the Silent King was meant to change um, regularly between dynasties because obviously dynasties grow and then fall. And so the, the Silent King was meant to change. Zarek was not too happy with the way the destruction was happening. He wasn't too happy with the Necrontier beating each other up and killing each other. So he looked for a way to unite them. And this is where we see their ancient enemy come in, the Old Ones. They were the perfect target. These were near-immortal lizard people um, and were the, the race that then went on later in the story to make more races. Um, we'll come to that later, though. And so Zarek went... Here, guys, these guys live forever. That's not fair. Go beat them up. And so they, they ended up with the war of war in heaven. Uh, this is kind of like the start of the war in heaven. This, the war in heaven goes on for a very long time um, because um, the Necrontier are jealous of the immortality. The old ones, they had the webway, uh, which the Necrontier could not enter. Um, but the Necrontier ha- were more technologically advanced. Um, they had better weapons, but because they couldn't tr- travel as quickly, they were slow and unable to respond to the movements of the old ones. And this meant that the Necrontier were beaten back to their home world. Um, and a new war of succession begins um, because, well, the war in heaven didn't really go very well. And so Zarek looks for a new way to bring them together again. He's not particularly, he's still not happy that the Necrons aren't united. Um, the point in this really confuses me. Zarek seems to stay, stay around for a very, very long time, um, despite their short lifespan. So I'm a little bit confused as to the timelines on these. But it was at this time, as they were looking for a new, as he was looking for a new way to uh, unite the Necrons, um, the Catan turned up. These are beings of energy who feed off stars. Uh, basically, they're star vampires. Um, they were the first beings in the universe, and they're born of energies swirled around at the time of the recombination as the first atoms began to form stars. Um, in them, the Necrontier saw them as gods, and they began to worship them. Um, they were given physical form. Um, the Necrontier wanted to kind of communicate better with them, so the Necrontier built physical forms for them. And by the process of transference, uh, they gave them living metal bodies, uh, the metal is known as necrodermis. And so the Catan then went, oh, oh, we've got physical bodies. Oh, these are fun. Uh, and they decided to uh, enjoy the pleasures of the flesh, so to speak. Um, and the electromagnetic energy given off by the Necrons, or the Necrontier, uh, became kind of a new form of food for the Catan. And they found it a lot more tasty than the bland energies of stars. And so they started to crave more and more energy from the Necrons. Um, and so the Deceiver, um, surprisingly named after his way of being, um, turns up and says hi to the Necrons here, um, but he hides his true nature as he is the Deceiver. And he makes a deal with Zarek. Um, basically, um, they played the Necrons' desire to have an immortal life. And so the Catan um, would give them Im- immortality if they helped them defeat their old enemy, the old ones. So the Catan uh, fulfilled their side of the bargain, um, but not 
in the way that the Necrons had really hoped. They gave them new bodies and immortal bodies made of the same substance that the Necrons had given the Catan, Necrodermis, so the living metal. The process of biotransference, where they took their souls, the organic bodies, into the metal ones began. And it involved the destruction of the organic bodies. However, this was not the only thing that happened when the biotransference occurred. As Zarek went through the process and saw the effects on his people, he realized the mistake he had made. Um, After he came out, he felt hollow and empty inside, as if something great had been ripped from him. And he realized that the hollowness, uh, he felt, was actually the loss of his soul. And the biotransference was ripping the soul from the Necrontier. Only the strongest world managed to hold on to their souls and any semblance of their former existence. And as billions and billions of Necrontier went through the process, Zarak realized his mistake a little bit too late, and he had basically damned the entire race to being a species of immortal, soulless robots. Now, it was also at this time the newly created Necrons then decided to fulfill their side of the bargain because, well, a bargain's a bargain. And they went back to war with the old ones. And this is where we see a ramping up of the war in heaven. And basically, they decimated most of the galaxy with this. The old ones were defeated, um, and as this happened, the Catan fed and glutted themselves on the energies of the life forms that were lost on planet and planet after planet as they were destroyed. Towards the end of the war, and kind of what sealed the fate of the old ones, um, was that they managed to gain access to the webway. And I'm going to butcher a name here. Nyadrazef, the burning one, um, who desired access to the psychic energies in the web race showed the Necrons how to access it. And so they built what is known as the Dolmen Gates. This gave them limited access to the webway. It was unstable, but it was enough enough for them to kind of affect the tide of the war. So they, they, they entered into the webways. For a long time, the Catan and Necrons managed to rule over the younger species, and they were cruel overlords. It's not... It, hang on, what have I written here? It is not known why it happened, but the Eldari stories say that their their laughing god, one of their gods, turned up and tricked the Catan, um, known as the Outsider, into turning on its own kind, um, showing it that the Catan are tasty as well and have way more power than those small, squishy, fleshy things. And so a war, a kind of um, civil war broke out between the Catan, which decimated. It took millennia, but over time, the old ones genetically engineered warp-sensitive species, the Eldari, the Crocs, who are the early orcs, and, and other species. And this was kind of their final gambit to, to fight against the Necrons. Um, these, species were, these species were brought um, to fight back against that brutal rule that the Necrons were doing. The onslaught from these psychic species drove the Catan and Necrontier Empire back. Um, the Immaterium was anathema to the soulless Necrons, and the Old Ones and Eldari drove them back. This united the Catan uh, to find a way to fight back against the warp, and they built pylons all around the galaxy, as those ones we see, or we did see on Cadia before it disappeared into nothingness, um, out of black stone. Um, These were set up to seal the warp from the galaxy good. Um, However, before they could complete this, catastrophe struck, and the young psychic species um, their growing pains, trauma, and destruction through the long wars with the Cantan uh, was echoed in the Immaterium. The billions upon billions of souls that were killed in the war in heaven suddenly flooded in- into the Immaterium and coalesced. 
old entities that existed fed upon the psychic energies of these souls and the realm was torn asunder to form the realm of chaos. And this released a race known as the Enslavers into the webway. Uh, warp-spawned entities uh, who dominated the minds of the weaker, younger race. The war with the and so after that, Zarek saw his chance. With the Catan being weakened and Zarek wanting revenge for what they had done, he led a rebellion against the Catan. Um, and the, with their arrogance, because they basically see themselves as gods as well, the Catan uh, did not see this coming. So the Necrons released all their might, all their their zappy zappy weapons onto them. Um, the, some of these weapons were so so powerful that they actually used the energies of the universe itself. Um, however, the Katana kind of immortal star spark there, immortal star spawn space vampires. And so rather than being killed, the Katana was shattered into thousands of smaller and less powerful fragments or shards. So it wasn't a true success, really, uh, but it was enough for the Necrons to get themselves from under the yoke of the Catan. And the shards were gathered up and bound into a multi-dimensional tesseract labyrinth. Um, this destroyed the Triarch and millions of Necrons, um, however, and the Silent King now controlled the destiny of his own race once again. So weakened by the war with the Old Ones and Catan and seeing the rise in power, of the Eldari, the Necrons realized their time of galactic dominion was basically over. Um, they, they'd, they'd spent themselves too much. And also knowing that the Eldari power would not last, despite their long lives, the Necrons were now immortal and could bide their time. So Zarek ordered the remaining Necron cities to be transformed into great tomb complexes with status scripts. And his final command was to order the Necrons to sleep for 60 million years. Once the last tomb was sealed, Zarek destroyed the command protocols he used to control the Necrons. Um, he had failed them. And so, without looking back, he boarded his ship and flew into the void of intergalactic space. Aeons passed, and the galaxy, galaxy changed as the Necrons slept. Cool. We'll carry on um, with the next bit. The I'll, I'll do the next bit. Yeah, so... We'll just quickly go over some of the bits that are there. So, I mean, it's, I mean, the the important thing is that like the the war with the Necrons is tied innately to the creation to the of creation of the realm of chaos. It mm. it's not around the realm of it isn't during the with the creation of the realm of chaos that the chaos gods come into being. That takes a little bit longer, uh, from my mm. understanding. That the chaos gods essentially turn up begin to finally coalesce around about like the middle ages of um of of human humanity. Yeah. humanity but you know the seeds are sown essentially with various demonic entities and the in some respects the corruption of of the eldari gods um is also sown in there um because we're gonna we're gonna see that with uh carmencha Cain essentially being driven a bit mad uh yeah and the interesting thing is things like the um the enslavers i think those would be a very interesting kind of enemy to bring into uh definitely into wrath and glory um going and... on you could, in a way with that you could kind of turn it into a weird dungeon crawl as you're flowing through the webway yourself somehow hunting them down yeah quite a cool story to do and of course, a lot of this is all tied up with um, you know the creation of the Blackstone Fortresses, which we've seen that, that there is a, another one that appears in uh, in a lonely bit of the galaxy, and of course is the focus of the Warhammer Quest Blackstone Fortress game. Mm -hmm. uh, the, a 
I can't. I, well, spoiler alerts is there's something related to Blackstone stuff, which is in Angels of Death, actually. So worth watching for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's the Necrons. And this this history of the Necrons, we should also point out, is a retcon of their original um, version in third edition. Mm. So Necrons originally were led by the Catan. And yeah. I think that that's that parallel of the Catan to the Chaos Gods has been kind of like just been removed. And now we have this idea of that the Catan are the shattered entities that are in effect enslaved by the Necrons mm-hmm. um, and used in their war engine. Uh, and of course, all these tomb worlds are, are pl- and, and Blackstone, this Noctilith uh, that they create, which is, you know, psychically attuned is the, is the focus of, you know, research by various uh, groups like the Adeptus Mechanicus, and of course, various heretical groups with Imperium. So we're going to fast forward, you know, 60 million years to mm. effectively the 41st millennium. Um, but, you know, before then, in fact. So the Necrons start waking up. So over a millennia, you know, over the millennia, many two worlds, they've been lost. You know, planets get destroyed all the time, it seems. Um, there's war and age, you know, it's systems fail, you know, the um, status fields fail, um, places get ransacked. The Eldari realize a planet is a tomb world and annihilate it, things like that. But the Great Awakening begins and likely begins a little earlier than the Necrons really wanted because they were waiting for the Eldari to be more like really have died out and other races to have died out and of course things never go to plan so the ne- first necrons wake up during the during the great crusade in fact uh and of course the things that i think seen are are a few lonesome rogue you know necrons they don't see the full might of this ancient race which mostly leads the imperium at that time to just think they're they're the last vestiges of an ancient race that has properly died out. But then many more begin to wake up over time. And when they do so, the Necrons, of course, over that time are, you know, they're they're kind of zombie-like, you know, they're they're mm. the coding within them has become corrupted, has essentially fractured from falling apart so they 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 call them as having two mind deep spirits so again they're they're kind of mindless necrons that you come up again uh and we see some of this in other places if you only have to read gorkamorka where we do see some necron or at least hinted at so it takes decades for a, ne- uh, a tomb world to fully awaken and of course there's more wake up and certain tomb worlds wake up which have various leaders of, of dynasties that's when full command codes we could almost say are are distributed to wake up more tomb world and once they wake up the dynasties begin to reassert uh their dominion in a particular region of the galaxy and they're very aggressive they're looking for resources they're looking for planets they're looking for to reclaim uh caches of of weaponry they're looking to reclaim noctilith and if you think about it actually the parallels between the necrons and the shadows in babylon 5 is quite strong because Mm -hmm. the necrons spread all of their resources and hid them 
So it wasn't so easy for the Eldari just to go to a single homeworld and blow it up. They they spread out because it's much easier to survive that way. And so the main goal now is to find a way of of reconstructing their biological form and inhabiting that. And the only way to do that is to steal. Uh, is eventually to steal the the biological matter, matter out there to steal life as it as it is from the existing races, including the Eldari, including the Crocs. But mostly, more importantly, they're they're likely going to be wanting to steal it from from the Imperium, from humans, because they have the well, I, I guess have the most most potential genetically to take any to to take as many different forms as possible given you know humans mutate can form ogryn can form ratlins and so forth i think that's why humans are quite likely the uh the target of choice for that and we see that because necrons uh also grab from humans things that because humanity is kind of like this this um race that was left behind by the likely left behind by the old ones as like an ultimate final weapon because of the psychic potential of humans. And clearly the Necrons most probably dabbled a little bit in the early genetics when they had a chance because we also have the pariah gene, which is this psychic null. And we see pariahs, that 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 brain, that genetic uh, potential utilised in pariah Necrons, which are psychic blank necrons that are very good at killing psychics. Perfect weapon for a race that hates chaos. <laughs> um, and really what's happened then in the later stages of the 41st millennium is the return of of, of Zarek, the, the Sonic King, who had his, like, um, Dyson Sphere, Tomb World, Thingamabob out there in the null, in the void of space between galaxies, coming back because he's wanting to take charge before things get really out of hand because the Necrons didn't bank on the Imperium. They didn't bank on the Emperor. They didn't bank on the Astronomicon. And the Astronomicon is is like a is like a bright light to a moth. And the moth in this this case is the Tyranid. And the Tyranids are essentially the worst that could happen to Sazarek's plans. Because if there's another race out there that wants to eat all organic life it's the Necrons. Uh, sorry, it's the Tyranids. So on the one hand, you've got the Necrons just want to make their bodies back again and enslave the other races in the process. Uh, the Tyranids want to eat everything. And yeah, it's just it's just the worst case scenario. I mean, Tyranids are also a psychically attuned race. though have much more order in how they do it because they have the, the shadow of the warp. It's, um, yeah, it's curious. Uh, I really want to see more of a showdown between the Necrons and the uh, Tyranids. Anyway, so obviously the Imperium um, and the Inquisition and the Adeptus Mechanicus have been out in the galaxy recovering things from Necron tomb worlds or, or remains of the Necrons. Examples would be the Catan Phase Sword or Phase Daggers, uh, which are basically made of 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 the Catan version of Necrodermis. So it's this like living metal. And there's examples in the there's stories of like I think of a Calidus assassin trying to kill someone and the blade getting reabsorbed because it's actually like 
a shard of uh, the the deceiver or something like that. I think that that's a that's an old story when the deceiver had much more power before they did the retcon on material. But you get the idea. The, there's all these wonderful ancient weapons. Um, what's the psychic null um, assassin that the have? But that's a pretty good example of the prior yeah. gene which the Necrons are harvesting. You know the the, the brains of to utilize. The Silent Sisters as well. Those yeah, as well. exactly. Um, so yeah, in the year 744 M41, the King returns to the galaxy and, uh, obviously again, ahead of his schedule to deal with, to deal with all manner of things that are going wrong, including Tyranids, including chaos. Um, and of course, in this madness, uh, we have the Necrons also having to deal with the fact that whereas before they left the galaxy where there were very small pockets of the immaterium spilling into real space, such as the Maelstrom and, and so forth. We now have the Eye of Terror, which is just a bad <laughs> thing already. But that was kind of good for the Necrons because yeah. that, that eliminated the Eldar homeworlds and basically accelerated yeah, the Eldari d demise. The problem is, is that I guess the Necrons weren't banking on Blackstone being in the reverse resonance to rip apart the, the physical reality to allow chaos to spill in even greater. And so there's a whole network of, of, of like locations across the galaxy where, where this resonance occurred from one end, which obviously the Eye of Terror and Cadia with the pylons, all the way through to uh, some... I can't remember what it's called. There was some anomaly. But that basically means why we have the Great uh, the great Rift, the um, Cicredix Maledictum. And that is pure chaos spilling out into the galaxy. And the Necron's plans are now to essentially put up more and more pylons and to create uh, regions that are... regions of space which are effectively free of chaos and uh, psychic null areas. So on living races, even if you're not a psychic person, uh, the, the effect it has upon you of being in these regions of space is quite um, this disconcerting to the point that it drives you mad. Mm. Um, Isn't also like the homeworld, like where they're kind of based off at the moment, the Necrons smack bang in the middle of the Citrix Maledicta? Oh, I don't don't know if it's in the middle of that. It's it's, um, it's really close. I think they 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 were like on the edge of it or something in a really. Uh, I'm looking at the map right now. Um, Unless I'm thinking of maybe one of the campaigns that I saw. Because there's the various ne there's the prior nexus that they've created. Um, that's I'm thinking of the prior nexus. That's somewhere else. Uh, mm. I can't remember where exactly that is. Um, there's the I don't know where there's there's a Blackstone Fortress that apparently is near the very center of the galaxy uh, that's marked on the um, Necron map the uh, core book. There's another Blackstone Fortress that's marked way off in the Galactic East, and I think that's the Blackstone Fortress, obviously of um, the game Warhammer Quest. Uh, and then there's a, also another one far off in the Galactic Northwest. Um, which is mostly quite near Tau. Oh, is that near Tau? I just can't remember where Tau. That'll be um, the Farsight Enclave if it's northwest. Yeah. So, you know, there's still some black stones out there, which will be of importance. The Necrons will want them because, again, if you. I'm sure if the resonance is, is, 
attuned correctly, a black stone can also seal um, mm. uh, rift as well. So the Necrons are interesting, and I think aren't there in there's there's examples in short in stories in novellas and stuff from black uh, from Black Library of the Necrons in teaming up with the Imperium when yeah. it's a particular enemy. So Tyranids are a good example. The Necrons are just like, no, we need them dead as well. Like, yeah, we'd rather kill the things that are going to eat you than you because we might want your bodies later. Yeah. So Necrons are an interesting bad guy now more than ever. They're they're very much the they are very much the forty k Nagash in the sense that they are pragmatic. They aren't out for just absolute chaos and destruction everywhere. There's a plan. And they want to try and keep to it if they can. And if they can do so, great. And that means they will make alliances where they can, um, mainly with the Imperium. Uh, and you know, they, the Necrons have also been to various worlds. They've landed a ship on Mars uh, because I think Mars it was the tomb is a tomb world, or at least was where. Um, it's nothing to do with the red, the, the dragon, the Void that, Dragon, the Void Dragon. That's asleep. old, old lord. Uh, right, is that old law now? I don't know if it's old law, but it's I remember it from old times. Yeah, I think it's mostly still law, possibly in mm. some respects. It's mostly a shard of the Void Dragon. Mm. Um, so there's a lot going on with the Necrons um, than we can actually say in this episode. But I think the main point is is I, I do think they're a pretty cool bad guy. Um, I do think they've got some interesting elements to them. And I think for Wrath and Glory, then. There's a lot of different scope of type of stories we can use them in. I think that's what we should mostly on now and wrap yeah. up this episode. So, uh, how I would use Necrons. I think the, the basic story you can do is obviously tech hunting on some ancient world and uncovering uh, sleeping Necrons. Um, yeah. In like... some way, it could just be a small tomb or it could be a huge, you know, tomb city. You can look at um, things like the comics that they've just done, the kids' comics, because one of those has that kind of... They, they go to a tomb world. Yeah. That. Um, and doesn't um, Eisenhorn as well? He goes to a tomb world. Uh, yeah, but that's not Necrons. That's Honestly, something else. No, that's, that's, a, that's a race that actually lives in tombs, waking up every so often because of yeah, the it's cold. long cycle of how their planet goes around the world. They have to freeze themselves. Um, yeah, it's, they're pretty mental. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Necrons in, you know, going to a team world or somewhere that's got some ancient Necron tech is always good fun, um, for that. And that can work for rogue traders. It could work for Imperial Guardsmen. It could work for multiple tiers Inquisitors. Um, or even space Marines. Yep. I think the point is, is that in that classic kind of hammer horror style, you know, you uncover an ancient tomb and it starts and then things start basically going playing bad. the mummy in space. Yeah. Um, the other thing is looking for Noctilith. Noctilith Blackstone is an important resource to the Imperium. It's an important resource to the Necrons. It's a really important resource to Chaos. So you could quite easily have a scenario where you've got a, a three-way fight going on uh, over a... a um, over a cachet or over uh, a source of Noctilith between the Imperium, Imperial agents that you're playing, uh, the Chaos forces that are wanting to take it in their weapon, the um, 
What are those rings that they make? Rings? You know, the big chaos rings. Chaos gates. Yeah, those things. They're made of Noctilith. Um, yeah. Or anything else like that. So that's a good way. And that would be an interesting way to have also end up potentially with an alliance between the Imperial Ages and the Necron uh, to stop the machinations of the uh, of the forces of chaos. And then you get the interesting bit afterwards for the, the follow-up campaign of who, who actually gets it from the Necrons and the Imperium. Yeah, exactly. Um now to to work out how you can worm Necrons more into the day I would say day to day, but so it's a bit more insidious. I think you're looking at like rogue tech priests, people that have for whatever reason sided with the Necrons. Uh and I can see that happening. Um I don't think Necrons are above doing that. And I was wondering how are there examples of Necrons wearing almost like concealing themselves in like you know human flesh i mean uh, we know there are necrons that, that are so mad that they do that but i mean more in the kind of like full terminator style um being kind of like you know undercover it's not something that rings a bell with me um but i would i would think that could be quite interesting or even weirder would be like you know um you know the the scarabs mm. is having a kind of scarab that like clamps onto someone's brain onto their skull and, and starts manipulating them yeah that's made me think of a movie and i can't remember what it's called I but that would be yeah. i think that's a way of getting kind of necrons influencing imperial mm. society without like a full fucking invasion going on um that that would be you know it's not canon but i think it's perfectly viable um well, the whole thing with lore in in 40k is Lore is what you make it. It's yeah, such a massive every, every universe that nothing, not all of it is going to be covered. Yeah, forty k is a weird one because, like, yeah, as we've already said, like everything's valid, nothing is canon because forty k is so diverse depending upon the media that you are enjoying it through. Like, there's a core baseline, but beyond that, you know, there's a lot of weird stuff that you can have some, have certainly have some fun. Of of course, the other Necrons interact, and that gets back back to um, our Blackstone Fortress. Um, is, is to do something where you use Blackstone Fortress as your as your um, location for your mm. the centre of your your stories, and have uh, Necrons that were powered down, and now for whatever reason, because the because the, the there's a power source and the Blackstone has powered up, it also powers up. Necrons that were left behind. So, does something stupid, um, goes into a black fortress and hits the wrong button, and all hell breaks loose. So that's kind of what I would go for. Um, I think, and also like the you know within stories, if you're dealing with like your typical battles, uh, if you're looking at you know, your crack squad of some of imperial agents having to fight on a war torn world, yeah, you know, they're likely being tasked to go stop the the you know, a pylon being established somewhere, mm. uh, so that a huge or or shut down a um, shut down some trans-dimensional portal that allows Necrons to phase through from their tomb world, stuff yeah. like that. Um, I think that's also kind of valid, and maybe is more appropriate for like Space Marines and and uh, crack squads of like you know of. Uh, Inquisitorial guards and stuff. Yeah, things like that. And of course, for the Inquisitors, you know, you you would also be looking for in, the Inquisition would be looking for like um, 
rogue artifacts of the Necrons that are being used by various nefarious um, groups and, and agents. Uh, for maybe their own use or for maybe destroying them? Oh, yeah, likely, yeah. I mean, remember, there's there's crazy inquisitors out there that go, yeah, I'll, I'll, I don't want you using that, but I want to use it because I think this will defe- defeat the great enemy or something. Uh, yeah. I mean, you can also play quite easily a game of Marines who are all, um, who are all the uh, a kill team of the what are they called? Death, death, death watch. Death watch, yeah, because they're anti Xenos, so Necrons fall into their purview. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think there's actually quite a lot you can do with Necrons, and I think, uh, and we've not seen Necrons. I don't think there's a single example of necrons in the old rpg books no likely because nobody really thought about how you um so i think the um death watch you might have got them in but rogue trader i think is it's too the original concept is maybe older than the modern fluff for them to have actually appeared in yeah so that's i think that kind of covers ideas for it now we do have some suggested and we're going to finish up here we're going to quickly just go through and this will be on the blog some suggestions on how to represent a necron warrior in the rpg so i took as my baseline a uh a nurgle plague marine because necrons have to be resilient so strength seven that's part of a space marine Defense 3, which is lower than a space ring, because I wanted to get the sense that these are slow shambling that tomb mind, like they're they're gonna, they don't need to defend, they're, they're gonna regenerate, right? Yeah. Um, agility 7 just for shooting and combat. Resilience 13 with what I call natural armor, but that would be their exoskeleton armor of 5. So, you know, they're pretty pretty tough they're they're like not quite as tough as a plague ring but there's a reason why they don't need quite as toughness seven yeah determination 76 because that means they can easily turn a lot of wounds into shock and they've got willpower six but i think with the tier that they would be equivalent in the maths they work out shock eight so they can weather tons of damage Which uh, makes intellect, intellect two they don't need to think I don't think they can think. (laughs) No, right? Speed 5, they don't need to be that fast. Um, Fellowship (laughs) 1, of course. (laughs) We don't Uh, need no friends where we're going. Initiative 2, they're slow. Wounds, 11. So that's more than a standard Space Marine, which, you know, in in this. So that would be equivalent in the war game anyway. Passive Awareness 3, Resolve 5, Conviction 6. These are all things that basically say they're slow-witted, but they're not going to run from a fight. Um, intimidation six. Yeah. Sorry. It's an in- unthinking terminator. Yeah. Weapon skill eight, equivalent to a marine. Bliss skill eight, a marine. Yep. Default for the rest of their skills, I thought was four because they're not quite as with it as a marine. Yeah. And then finally, um, a Gauss rifle. I would say has the same. I didn't put the ranges unless I have to. Is I based off a a bolt gun, okay? Because mm-hmm. stats-wise, their strength and range and so forth is like a bolt gun. But the thing, but what's more important with it, like a bolt gun, they're they're brutal. That makes sense. So you know you're more likely on an extra damage dice to get a um, to get a exalted icon, so it does more damage. So a three is a four, and a four is a five, and uh, a five is a six. So you know you've got you've got two two chances there 
So yeah, you've got a lot more chance of doing damage. But the most important thing is rending three. So that means that you, if you've got on your successes to hit, you can shift an exalted icon into to activate rending three, which means it gets minus three. It gets a sorry, it gets a, a armor penetration of three, which represents its Gauss capability of flaying, you know, armor away. Yeah, I suppose so. So just for those people who don't know what a Gauss weapon is, they're basically electrical lightning whip rifles. Um, yeah, they're like they they're um yeah, they they basically flay you apart atom by atom. Um with green fire. Yeah, like a Gauss that's a Gauss blaster. What is it? Sorry, a Gauss. What did I say this is a Gauss rifle. Gauss rifle. What does that? I'm sorry. Is it a Gauss rifle? What's the weapon that a net? Sorry, I'm actually looking at the army book here. I wanted to get the right name. Uh, oh, where are we? That's elite cues on basic troop uh, troops troops. That's fast attack guard flay ones death models Necron warrior. It's a Gauss flayer. So flayer. a Gauss rifle is now called a Gauss flayer. That's where I was wrong. Okay, so a Gauss flayer because it flays apart. Yeah, is. 24 inches, rapid fire once, so that's salvo, like a like a bolt gun. Yep. Strength four, AP minus one. Is a bolt gun A plus one in the I don't possibly. I, I don't know if bolt guns are actually AP. And it's got a damage of one. But I, I went with I thought rending three feels more fun. Yeah. <laughs> it feels it feels narratively more correct. It's, anyway, it, and then it's the theme of the weapon. Yeah. And then we've got uh, obviously at the end of these weapons is kind of like a scythe, so it's got a basic close combat uh, weapon attack with it, which is, you know, strength plus three plus three ED. That's a standard that's equivalent to like an orc chopper. That's alright. Yeah. Uh, and then the the yeah, fun yeah. rules are machine, machine resilience, so you don't need to spend ruin to roll determination for a Necron warrior. And it can roll determination even against mortal wounds. Yeah. And then it's got get back up, which is you can spend a point of ruin to regain 1d3 wounds and stand back up. So basically uh, the uh, Wrath and Glory version of uh, reanimation. Yeah. And I think that makes them kind of tough as it is. Oh, that sounds like a terrifying opponent for a bunch of Astron Militarum. Yeah, uh, I was if, if you're throwing guards at that, then um, the guards are in a bit of trouble. Yeah, they're going to have to like like pummel it with with las weaponry and yeah. like chuck a grenade or two at it and hope they. I think that'd be really fun. A fun scenario is just actually a bunch of Astra Militarum facing like a single uh, a single Necron warrior that just doesn't give up. Yeah, it's just a random a random. They find a random Necron kind of buried in a swamp somewhere that's turned itself down. Someone decides to plug a power pack into it and go, "Oh shit, what have we done?" And I think what's fair is the way that Ruin works in um, in Wrath and Glory. You can base... I, I think mostly the get back up has to be spent that turn on the Necron. Otherwise, they phase out. And that way you get the balance of... You know, you don't just have all the Necrons that are lying down just have a chance of getting back up. You have to get yeah. them back up immediately or else they phase out. Well, that's, that's kind of how it works in 40k as well. You get your um, reanimation protocol after a single unit has completed all their shooting at it and then you do your reanimation protocol um so it but happens yeah. right away and if, if you that's... don't succeed they disappear i think that's um i think that sounds kind of looks kind of fun oh the other the other um just so people know the, the phasing out thing of necrons is they don't die and they don't get destroyed 
they get beamed back to their tomb worlds. Yeah. So you've not that they're they're insanely hard to kill because they don't die. They just go back to where they were born, get re- rebuilt, and then get sent out again. Do you know what I'm really waiting for though? In 40k, I'm waiting for um the um oh, what are they called? Why well, can't think of their name? Quats. No. Space <laughs> What's the name of Space Haven? Hrud. Hrud. Yes. To turn up because Hrud apparently all their weaponry and science from what we know from a very short story somewhere that was in um, the lead up to Psychic Awakening. Have a bit of Psychic Awakening. Hrud operate using using entropic like energy entropic yeah. science so basically they're like this weird they kind of yeah, entropy they just kind of destroy the entropy of the thing so the thing kind of doesn't really exist anymore so it can't and, get back up and it messes with necron technology they yeah. do not like it so i am keen to see them turn up in 40k and then have them in wrath and glory because like could you imagine where a rogue trader is like and this is a Hrud in my party. And it's like, what the heck have you got there? Why has it got this weird, you know, entropic Giselle weaponry that, that basically is like a disruptor cannon? And <laughs> just running around stealing shit as well. And is perfect against like killing Necrons. Um, yeah, that'll be fun. I think that's it. Um, yeah. As I say, we'll put that up on the blog. Um, so comments are welcome. Uh, obviously, it's unofficial. So, you know. Uh, do what you want with it. That's not a problem. Uh, and to finish up, if you enjoy this content, if you have any questions or comments, uh, email us at darkdaysradio at gmail.com. Uh, head over to our Facebook, Dark Days Radio, or you can go to our Instagram at Dark Days Radio. Uh, you can find stream games that we've done on YouTube. You can find us on Twitch when we start doing stream games again. It's been a while because of Christmas and everything else. It's everyone's super busy. And of course, you can come over to our Discord channel, Dark Days Radio, and all that's in the show notes. So you can come over to Discord and chat about this episode or anything else or chat about our main show, Dark Days Radio, where we talk about horror games in general. Um, but that's everything for now. And next time we're back, I think there's something planned. Mike has talked about so um, we'll see what we've got planned. There's mostly something we want to want to cover. Mostly Warhammer world based, old world based. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But that's everything for now. So thanks, David, for taking time out for recording no this. Worries. Anytime. A primer on Necrons, and we'll speak to everyone. So goodbye for now. Goodbye.